and bad for you. We wrote that together and you know, I've been lucky enough to be in rooms with guys like that and I can give him a story that I'm trying to tell and he can tell my story in a way that everybody out there is going to want to listen to it. And that, that to me is the coolest part is because I may be able to tell my story, but you may not want to listen to it just because you're like, hey, bro, cool, cool story, dog, you know? But like, if I tell my story in a way that makes your feet move or your body. The intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Can you believe we're like midway through May? Man, time is flying. And guess what? Today, when this episode is dropped, it's my birthday. So happy birthday to me. we got a great episode for you as we talk with country artists. He's got some new music out, Austin Tolliver. It's a fun chat. He's a fun dude. And you also need to check out his music as well. But let's not waste any more time and get into the show. And with tasting notes, we start our grilling series with Jake Solik talking grilling and cocktails. Enjoy. Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Joining us once again for Tasting Notes, it's Jake Selleck. He's the beverage director and partner with the Professors LLC. Welcome back, Jake. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Well, I, like I say, I always appreciate you coming on these, and I always feel like I learned something and truly feel when we walk away that I could do these. Now, again, like I always say, whether I can actually pull them off, that's a whole different story. I feel like I've been practicing, though, so I've got a chance. That's how you end up getting really good at it. I think uh, what is Malcolm Gladwell called that, the 10,000-hour rule? You don't really master something until you've done it 10,000 hours worth of well, we're working there. I still got a little way to go to that ten thousand, but I'm, I'm I'm working on it day by day, and I feel like this is a fun topic for for a lot of folks. And one, you know, we're into the warmer weather months, um, you know, pending obviously Mother Nature because she can be be fickle at times. But a lot of people are outside; they're grilling, they're doing stuff like that. And I'm always curious, though. You know, I've talked a lot with other folks about whiskeys and and beer because I feel like, especially beer, that tends to be what you know for for myself. That's like my go-to outside. But I don't feel like everyone wants to go down that route. So, can you go out to the grill and have a cocktail? Is that doable? Absolutely. It, it really just it, it's a matter of of form factor. In the same way, when you're drinking a beer, sometimes I'm in the mood for a really crisp lager that's you know 4.7 percent but um, I'm also an IPA guy, I'm a hophead, so I like drinking you know, a 9.5 double imperial IPA. So it just really depends on like, the form factor you use for cocktails. Do I wanna drink three you know, rum old fashions in the middle of the summertime? Not, not when I'm outside, not when I'm grilling. I tend to go for something lighter, something carbonated because it's refreshing, it's crisp, it's got a lot of texture. So yes, you can drink cocktails. You I mean you can always drink whatever you want, but for me, when I'm outside, I'm I'm gonna drink a cocktail that's gonna be suitable for that environment. Well, and I'm curious too, because obviously when you're you're grilling out, some people might go, "Oh, this combo doesn't work necessarily," because you know you think of the grill. Maybe the first thing that comes to mind is you're grilling out some burgers, some hot dogs, some brats. What might work with something like that on the cocktail side? Because obviously you want to have some things that maybe balance flavor-wise. Yeah, I, I really like citrus-based stuff. Um, I want to think about being out near a grill. I've got lots of smoke. It's hot. 
I want something that's refreshing, that's palate cleansing. So I like things that are going to be citrus based. Any kind of whiskey or gin or rum punch is great for that. Um, and it's something that you can easily modify to what you want. Do you, you know, when it comes to citrus, do you prefer lemon or lime? It's really easy to switch back and forth between those two. And, and the great part about working in large formats, if, if you make a cocktail that maybe fits a whole pitcher so that you can serve eight to ten of your friends, you don't have to serve full cocktails. The, the beauty of a large format drink like that is, well, I can fill every glass up halfway and then maybe top it up with something like club soda or sparkling mineral water. And that's going to make sure that everybody is still drinking and having a good time. You still get lots of citrus with every bite of your burger, but you're also drinking something that's got a little bit more water in it, that's a little bit more diluting, that's crisp, that's refreshing. It just kind of checks all the boxes. And, and all your guests can hopefully make it home home very safely and, yes, and everyone re- remember remembers it, what, what went on. Now, I know a lot of folks, though, they, they're stepping their game up on the grills. And, you know, they're smoking meats, they're smoking, you know, brisket, you know, you name it. When you kind of go maybe down that route and the smoked meat route, more so than just a, your typical burgers, what are you looking for maybe there for cocktails? Is it still in that citrusy um, realm or is it something different? No, I mean, I, I think that you can do a lot of things. Uh, me personally, I prefer to stay in the citrus realm. I think that when I'm eating food, I like something that's carbonated because carbonated beverages have carbonic acid. That's what makes that really tingly sensation in your mouth when you're drinking something that's carbonated. And that also serves as a natural palate cleanser. It kind of wipes your taste buds clean. It allows you to appreciate the flavors in the food more. So I like sticking to stuff that's citrusy and carbonated. But if you want to go uh, with heavier flavors, you can always pair smoke with smoke. One of the easiest ways, um, uh, and this has been, uh, bartenders have used this trick for decades, you can just take a glass and rinse it with something smoky. What rinsing means is maybe I just pour a splash of scotch into my glass, swirl it around the sides of the glass, dump it out, and then prepare a cocktail. And that's a way of making a a cocktail that doesn't taste smoky at all is now just going to have that faint little hint of smoke. And that's something that you can do to just introduce a little bit of like grilled flavor to a cocktail without actually having to grill anything. I, I, I like that. I never would have thought of that you're, you're giving away all the secrets. I feel like <laughs> there was a, there was, there was a time, you know, 20, 25 years ago where, um, you know, there was a very famous smoky martini. Uh, it's a traditional vodka martini, but you actually rinse the glass with a really, really peated whiskey. And it introduces a whole, a whole new range of, of flavors in that drink. I, I, I love that. And then obviously if you're, you're maybe you, you've gone through the, the night of grill and now you're setting the grill, you know, closing up the grill, maybe what's a good way to finish off a, a night of uh, outside that you, you've enjoyed some, some good food, some, some smoked meats or, or whatever. What's maybe a perfect nightcap for that realm? I think, and, and a, a lot of Americans probably haven't tried this. It's, it's more of a European tradition, uh, but that's just to have, an Amari, neat or on the rocks. Amari are super bittersweet liqueurs. Historically, they come from Italy, Germany, and France. Most of the ones that we see on the shelves when you walk into uh, walk into a big box liquor store, they're going to be Italian Amari. Um, some of them are bright red. These are like the bread britter varieties. This is your Campari, your Aperol, your Peixos Aperitivo. But some of them are much darker. This is your Averna, Ramazzotti. Um, other amare of that ilk, those are perfect digestives. 
And because they're made with macerated herbs and roots, they already serve as almost like a miniature cocktail in themselves. A lot of these, a lot of these Amari have 10, 20, 30 ingredients. So you can think of them almost like a bottled cocktail. They're really complex, they're bitter, they help to aid digestion medically. So you can take something, Chinar is, is a great example of one of those. You can take those, open the bottle, and just have that on the rocks, or if you're a neat drinker, have it neat. But that's gonna just really help sort of settle your stomach after a big meal. They tend to be a little lower proof, so that way you're still not drinking heavily late into the night. And it's just a really great way to close out a meal. I, I love that. And I know for a fact that one I can pull off. I can pull off yeah, opening a bottle it. and pouring it in. <laughs> the ice could be tricky, though. Who, who yeah, knows with yeah, me? it always is. <laughs> well, Jake, I, I really appreciate it because, like I said, you're giving away you some good secrets on this one and, and some really great tips, and, and I appreciate the knowledge as always. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Jonathan. Check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our conversation, he's a musician, songwriter. His latest single, Yeah, dropped at the end of April. Follow up to his other single, If You Were My Girl. I think he's got a theme here if you've been able to listen to both of those songs. Welcome in, Austin Tolliver. Cheers. There we go. What's going on, my friends out there in the world? How y'all doing? Well, I think we're doing good because we, we've got drinks and we're going to be talking music, and I don't know if there's any better combo. No, there really ain't a better combo than that unless we were talking about midget wrestling. You know, that's a different story. That sounds like a fun night that took a turn somewhere. It did. It took a <laughs> real left turn in Tijuana back in 2008. We're not talking about that. Fair enough. But I, I will ask, you know, since this is Bar Conversations, I got a little puncher's chance left across some, some 14-year-old bourbon aged in... Uh, Rum cask. You got anything good tonight? Right now, I got a little uh, Manhattan left that I'm sipping on. It's a uh, 1946 barrel of some Jack Daniels single barrel, I believe, and that's what we're going with. I like it. I like it. So, are you a whiskey guy by trade, or is that just special occasion? I'm a tequila guy. Like normally, normally I just sip tequilas because I, for some reason, I love tequilas. But when it comes to uh, Wonderful conversations with celebrities that are a bigger deal than me. I got to bring out the whiskey. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, I've become a tequila fan, although I've learned I only like fancier tequilas that are aged in things. You got to. You got to uh, go little... for the Reposados or the Añejos. I've learned. I've learned. It's taken me a long time, but I've learned. If you want to talk shop on tequilas, man, I could I could church you up a little bit on them things because I'm probably 64 gallons in this year. I probably should stop. Well, you might need a sponsorship, right? Hey, any tequila companies out there, just know uh, your boy is ready and uh, willing to drink your product. Okay. Because <laughs> it's funny, though, because you mentioned that, the Resposados and Añejos. I never, I always looked at those like, ah, that's weird. Tequila just should make me, you know, have a weird face after I drink it. But no, that's not how it's supposed to go at all. No, tequila is, what I've learned is if you get a good aged tequila, it's just like sipping an aged whiskey. Because they're aged in the same barrels. And so if you get, like, let's just say a good Reposado, like a uh, Class A Azul, for example, right? Everybody knows if you go and you flick that little bell on top of the bottle, it's going to sound really cool. But the thing is, is it's aged in whiskey barrels. And it's white oak whiskey barrels that it's aged in. And it's got a very, 
you know, rich vanilla flavor to it. And it's one of those things that you can truly sip on and enjoy and not really get that like, oh, tequila vibe to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, but that, that some nights those are fun, though. Yeah, sometimes until you throw up over your toilet and call for your mama. I've been there, done that. Yes, yes, those are those are not the, not, not the best nights. Now, no, my fiance get... Amber will tell you that happened like two weeks ago. <laughs> so you you know things still happen even at, at our age. Things still happen. Yo, there's no doubt about it, and they happen to me quite often. I can't say much. There was a, a fantasy football draft night that I went down a hill backwards, and uh, I still blame it on the chair, but I don't think that's true. Well, did you land on your feet? No. Oh, well, shit, I was about to say, if you landed on your feet, well, then everything's good, but... No, I'm, I'm not that, that that coordinated. It was down a hill, and it wasn't, it wasn't great. You got a good story to tell? That's what matters. We got a good story to tell out of that night? Oh, yes, and, and, and there are witnesses that can exaggerate said story, too, if they want. <laughs> Come on, that's all that matters, baby. That's it. As as my wife standing nearby goes, there's no need to exaggerate it. It was just good on its own. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> now, 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 speaking of some football, I, I read up a little bit, and I think you were a pretty good football player back in the day, and you know, pretty good in high school. Were able to go D1 in college? Yeah, man, I was a I was a baller, like they say these kids say these days. You know, I could go out there and uh, play a little bit. I was a high school All American, and then I played football and baseball in college, and then I played in the Arena League for a little while. And uh, after that, I was like, "Yo, these dudes are real tall, and these dudes are really fast, and they only allow like five. It's like an unwritten rule in the NFL, just so everybody knows. And y'all can go research it if you think I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. I swear this is a fact." It's an unwritten rule. There's only five short white guys allowed in the league at one time, and I made number six. So I just I, I wasn't an NFL guy because I made number six at the time. There will be people that will look that up and they probably not be too up. shocked. I'm you right now, everybody's going to go, oh, yeah, Cole Beasley, Danny Amendola. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait, you're right. There's only five. I know. Thank you very much. I like it. Dropping knowledge as we go. Now, when did... Obviously, you mentioned you know you playing in the arena league. You kind of realized maybe that wasn't where you were headed. But when did you kind of switch from sports to that that different path full time? Man, honestly, I went through a whole different like world change in my life when it came to when football ended. Because my whole life with my dad playing in the NFL for as long as he did, me being the oldest son, it was kind of like football or bust, right? Well. My dad's six foot three, 235 pounds, and I'm six foot, maybe 160, soaking wet. And I'm, you know, maybe the milkman made me. I don't know. So as I'm sitting there, I'm going, well, I, you know, I don't know what plan B actually is. And then I tried a bunch of different things. Hell, I've worked at gas stations. I've, I've owned my own trucking company. I've, you know, gone to the army for a short period of time. I've, there, you know, there's plenty of things that I've tried, and then all of a sudden, you know, I woke up one morning and I said, you know, I'm here to entertain the world. That's what I'm here for, and I figured out a way to do it, and my life has been ever-changing ever since then for the better. And I, I'm, I might be making this up or dreaming it, but I think I read, did your dad say that you were just meant to entertain however it is, then that's fine? No, that's pretty much exactly what he said. My, my dad said from birth, that I was born to entertain. And he said one way or another, I was going to be 
put in front of a stage and just like a football a football field is a stage it's just a stage where you're getting hit by grown-ass men all day long right and so like my dad always said he's going to be put on a stage and he's going to entertain the world and that's what i was brought here to do is bring happiness to people and shit every day that's all i try to do well i think you're doing doing pretty well at it with with music and I mean, obviously, everyone kind of grows up on on music some way, somehow. It's kind of hard to not have the radio on. But I mean, were you always into music, like you know, playing it and doing that, or did that come later on in life? No, man. Like I always was a fan of music. I always listened to music, partied out to music, different, all different genres. Like you know, like I tell people all the time, growing up in Louis in Louisiana, we'd be sitting by you know on these oil pads back in high school, partying it up, and you'd hear a Nelly song and a George Strait song, then a Tim McGraw song. And then all of a sudden Tupac came on right after that. You know, like we grew up, we grew up on Boosie and Pac and George Strait and Tim McGraw, you know? So it was kind of just like music was always a part of who I was growing up, but I was never like that dude who sat there and was like, I'm going to strum the guitar all day long. It was, yeah, because, it was just never a thing that like my ADD brain could sit there and figure out. <laughs> now, were you rapping at the parties though? Hell no, man. I just usually would just sit there and be like, yeah, let's talk about some football. Oh, all right. What are we doing? And then when the songs would come on, I'd get up and dance and try to entertain people and stuff. But I was never out there like rapping, singing or doing none of, you know, nothing like that. Cause somebody would always show up with acoustic guitar and then end up jamming. And I'd be like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so you never learned the guitar then? No, I want to learn the guitar, but I'm too dumb. I figured that out. I'm just, I'm too dumb to learn the guitar. I'm left-handed. All guitars are right-handed mm. and people are like, well, you can go get a left-handed guitar. No, you can't because they only teach you right-handed. It's kind of like golf. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm good at that though. But do, now, do you play lefty or righty on on golf? I play right-handed golf, but I do everything See? else left-handed. I throw left-handed. I write left-handed. I eat left-handed. I bowl left-handed. But if you want me to hit something, I'm hitting it right-handed. Like that's just what's going to happen. So, but you not not with the guitar though. Nope, can't do it. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, and everybody has been like, "You're too stupid to teach you this." Sorry. Well, there is something about knowing, and I think that's a, a good thing. And and obviously, you talked about you know growing up in Louisiana and and just kind of that being surrounded by all types of music, all types of people. What impact did that kind of have on you as you you grew up? Well, see, that, that's what I tell people all the time. And the coolest part about Louisiana is culture, like. You grow up in Louisiana, you grow up in a melting pot of people that are going to teach you different things about, you know, different genres of music. Like my buddy Rufus Thomas, his whole family, they grew up on jazz and blues, right? So Thursday night before football games, when they would come eat at my parents' house for Thursday night football, right, we'd be listening to blues and jazz. But next thing you know, Friday night after the game, we'd have my buddy Christian Frierson playing Lil Boosie out in the back of the truck, right? And so, like, that melting pot of cultures, man, gives people the unique perspective to understand how to really reach out to those different cultures and understand and respect those different cultures. And I think that's the coolest part about not only being from Louisiana, but the music scene in Louisiana that draws people into 
respecting and understanding other cultures and kind of infusing that into their life. Well, and, and I'm guessing that led you to have a wide variety of artists that kind of impact you. I know you kind of talked about like listening to them all, but who kind of made an impact on kind of maybe where you just saw yourself being at? So if I had to name, if I had to name my big, my big five from when like I would say impacted my life, it's going to be Garth Brooks, Colt Ford, my boy Darius Rucker when he was with Hootie and the Blowfish, definitely Pac, and then Eminem had to be the one that just kind of wrapped it all together. And, you know, George Strait's got to be in there, but you, you can't give a 5B if you're talking about your big five, you know. And I, I, I love storytellers. That's what I love. Mm-hmm. I love lyrical artists who tell stories. And every artist that I grew up on told some sort of story with everything that they were telling. Well, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned Colt. How, you know, he's played a huge role, whether it's being on his label nowadays or just, you know, I'm sure everything else. What's it like to be with him and, and learn from him? Man, Colt, Colt's like a second dad to me, dude. I've, I've known Colt for a long time. He's been family friends of my family's for a while. Him and my dad played celebrity golf together. And the coolest part was, is like Colt made me earn it. Like there was no handout or nothing. Just because he knew my daddy didn't mean nothing. Colt, when I first came in and I gave my music to Forrest, I'll never forget it. It was the first time in my life where somebody said, no, that ain't good enough. And so I went back out there and restructured and figured out how it was going to be good enough to come back. And as soon as I came back with the with the product that was good enough, Colt said, all right, hell yeah, let's go to work. And the, the coolest part about Colt, man, that people don't understand is he's always mentoring everybody. If he likes your music, he's going to give you a chance to be great. And it's your job to take that chance and run with it because he's not going to babysit it. Now, he'll coach you and he'll teach you. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to babysit you. He's going to say, hey, man, look, I'm willing to pass you this torch and give you a piece of my pie. It's your job to respect that. And that's what I love about him, man. It's whether you're on his label or you're not on his label, he's going to give people the opportunity to shine because he likes what they do. And it's your job to make sure you live up to that standard. And I respect the hell out of that, man. I can't. There is nothing in this world that I could say about Colt Ford in a negative manner, Colt Ford changed my life for the better and Colt Ford, it makes me a better man every day. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, and that's how you actually really learn and grow and be able to be your own artist who one day can, can pass along what, what, what you've learned. Now I got to ask, have you beaten Colt on the golf course yet? He won't play me. <laughs> He's scared. He won't play me. Yeah. Colt, I said it. He won't play me. Every time I try to play him, he'll be like, oh, man, sorry, I'm on the bus. I'm going here and going there. Yeah, you may be a busy man, but I'll fly out to play you, big boy. But no, I haven't gotten gotten blessed with the opportunity to play with him yet. But if I ever get on the links with him, I can promise you I'm going to beat that ass. (laughs) Now, I also have to ask, you, you showed him off before the show. You bring little Colt everywhere, right? Yeah, little Colt. How did that get started? Little Colt goes everywhere. So it got started because uh, up at the label office, we have 
this little like claw machine and in the claw machine it's got a bunch of different things it's got like t-shirts and swag and sunglasses that say colt ford on them i stole a pair of those just just so you know uh everybody at the office i did steal a pair of those uh anyway um so Statue of limitations ran out though right <laughs> uh, maybe not maybe i damn i just incriminated myself on live television shit all right anyway if you go to the claw machine and you win, well, I found a little Colt doll in it. So I asked uh, Miss Emma if she would open up the thing so I could get little Colt. And I got little Colt out. And now I just take him everywhere with me. He's like my little mascot. I just, wherever I go, little Colt goes. Now, what does Colt think of little Colt's travels? Uh, he finds it absolutely hilarious. He told me that if he sees little Colt in any of my videos, he's going to laugh as hard as he can can laugh and then make fun of me for putting him in the video at that point in time. Now, have you put little Colt in a video? Oh, yeah. He's in every promo video for my upcoming single. Yeah, like he's literally in, he's in my pocket in the most recent video that we just posted about the song coming out. He's literally in my jacket pocket. So y'all gotta look. Y'all gotta look around in the videos. You'll find Easter eggs. Little Colts laying around somewhere. I love it. I love. See, that gives it. That's an extra layer. That that's just true artistry right there. Well, man, we just like we just have fun because the the that's the coolest part about Average Jokes. And I don't know if other labels are like our label. The coolest part about our label is though we all compete against each other and we compete every single day and everybody wants their streams to be the biggest streams. You know, whatever. Everybody at the label is a family. And we literally every single day want everybody else to have the best possible outcome that they could possibly have. And when I do something in a video like Little Colt, well, Brian may put Little Colt on his tour bus whenever he's driving down the road and film a video with a Little Colt in there and you never know it. Or Josh Miranda may have Little Colt in his guitar bag in a video when he opens it up and you never know it. And that's what's cool. It's because, like, we all play along with each other. We all have fun, man. And if you can't have fun, like, what? I mean, what, what does it even matter? Well, at that point, it's a job, and that's not what you want, want this to be. Well, no, see, that's the coolest part is, is, like, I've got the greatest job in the entire world. I've got the best job in the entire world because I wake up every single day knowing that I can provide for my family, and I get to compete with the best in the world, but I also get to put an artistry out there in the world that speaks a, a certain story that I want to speak, but still be able to be a dumbass at the same time and not get judged for it. You know what I mean? Like that's what, that is true. That is not everyone gets to do that. <laughs> no, and that's what I'm saying. It's the greatest job in the entire world. And now, is it true that all of this really started on a bet? That someone made that you couldn't go in the studio and record something. Yeah, that's one hundred percent true. That is one th like that is one story that nobody could ever deny or ever prove that is incorrect because that's exactly how it happened. So it's not a fishing tale; it's a true tale. It's a true tale, and my buddy Ty Clark was the one who bet me. He went to high school with me. He was a grade younger than me, but he had lived in Nashville longer than I had up to the point in time where we went into the studio. He was like, I was nine years in. He was like 11 years in to Nashville at the time. And then he made the bet with me. And I was like, bet, bro. Like, if you want to go do this, we can go do this. And we went in there and we recorded the song. And I told him, I said, hell, six months from now, I'm getting a record deal. He said, this is a 10-year town. I said, it's a six-month town, baby. And then... 
God willing, here we are. I got lucky as hell, man. I can't even lie. So you won the bet. I won the bet. Luckily, I'll tell you that. I got very, <laughs> very lucky. My arrogance was accepted by the good Lord at that point in time. <laughs> now, now, obviously, you know, you're, you have a different sound in, in when it comes to music. I'm sure you hate the question of like, what, what tell me your sound. So I'm not going to ask that one, but how have you been able to find your sound and be able to be you? Cause I feel like that's sometimes difficult in Nashville. Well, I tell people all the time, man, in the music business, there are artists, there are entertainers, there are songwriters, there are musicians. Okay. And what I learned when I started this is if I'm going to formulate the sound that works for me, I got to keep it simple. Like you, you, you heard that old football adage, kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid, right? Well, for me, mm -hmm. it was let the people who are good at what they're doing do their job. Producers, engineers, writers, musicians, artists, whatever. Let them do their job. And then once a plan is formulated, then I make it mine. And then once I make it mine, now I have a platform to be able to build off of to create what I'm trying to create. But I can't create what I'm trying to create without a platform of people. Because I'm an entertainer. Brian Martin is an artist. Brian Martin can get up there with a guitar and a microphone and play for however long you want him to play. That is artistry. Okay? Brian Martin and Josh Miranda are songwriters. They can sit there and they can come up on their guitar with a different melody and come up with a song. And you're going to be like, holy shit, that's number one. Right? Me, I'm the idea guy. I'll say, hey, this is what I'm trying to say. I wrote this. What do y'all think? And all the people who are better than me at what they do will say, well, let's adjust it to this. And I'll be like, all right, cool. And then I'll get it and make it my own. And then I'll go entertain with it. And that's that's my job, man. Like my job is I'm an entertainer. I'm not I'm not an artist. I'm not a singer songwriter. Like, do I write songs? Absolutely. I write songs all day long. Hell, I've wrote some of my own songs that I put out. But am I so arrogant that I'm going to say that there's not people out there better than me that can do that and make me more successful? No, I'm not that stupid, right? So at the end of the day, my artistry has been formed and molded around the talents of other people being able to see the talents in myself. Well, and I feel like that sometimes is difficult because not everyone's willing to let that happen or, or they feel like they got to be something else. Well, that's, I mean, I guess I'll just throw shade. I don't give a shit. But the issue is, is that a lot of people out there think they have to be something to be successful in this business. You, you really don't, man. Like, you just got to find what lane works for you. Like, like the avenue that works for me may not work for Kane Brown because he's obviously already uber successful and crazy and playing all over the place, right? Now, would I want to emulate what Kane does because it's already proven to be successful? No, I wouldn't because Kane is an artist. He can go up there and play the guitar. He can go up there and do certain things, okay? 
But do I want to go and emulate Justin Timberlake? Maybe, because hell, we're both cute, and it may work. Well, I, I had someone on the the other other week, uh, <clears throat> Matt Co- Cozell, and he said, if you're emulating someone, you're always going to be the second best. So never emulate anyone, because uh, you're already behind the game. Well, bro, that's the problem. Everybody's always going to be the second second best at something. Hell, hell, Kobe Bryant may be the greatest basketball player that ever lived, but he's always going to be second best to Michael Jordan or LeBron. In whatever, it's true. in whatever argument you want to bring up of, oh, no, Kobe's better than Michael or LeBron's better than this, there's there's an argument for something at all points. So I don't I don't sit back and say, well, uh, I'm emulating somebody. I'm going to be second best. It's not that. It's I'm going to be the best right now. And if I'm the best right now and you want to argue about me later, I've done something correctly. That is true. That is true. Now, when you're picking songs or finding the song for you, do you is it always kind of that story lane where you're able to tell a story and and kind of make it kind of personal to folks? Yeah, man, I like to tell stories about things that I've been through. Even if I'm working with a team of writers like my one of my really good friends Christian, he he he's wrote for a bunch of people, he's got number ones out there, and I've been lucky enough and blessed enough to be in the same room with him and to have some of my songs like uh, If You Were My Girl and Bad For You. We wrote that together. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to be in rooms with guys like that. And I can give him a story that I'm trying to tell. And he can tell my story in a way that everybody out there is going to want to listen to it. And that, that to me is the coolest part is because I may be able to tell my story, but you may not want to listen to it just because you're like, hey, bro, cool, cool story, dog. You know, but like, if I tell my story in a way that makes your feet move or your body move, and at that point, now you want to listen to what I'm talking about. And that's the shit I love, well, and, dude. Well, and I was going to say, and that, I think that's what, what has connected with, with everyone. And you mentioned if you, if you were uh, my girl. Can you talk a little bit about how that one came to be? Yeah, that one was really cool. So we're in the studio, and me and Christian were just sitting there with Jared, and we were coming up with this idea, and... Christian just started humming when he heard the beat of it. He was like, oh, if you are my girl. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he started doing that, I came up with like the next three or four lines. And he was like, all right, we're going to edit those to make these this, this, and that. And then he was like, what are you trying to tell? And I told him the story of like what I want people to understand is, is like you don't just give up on something if you care about it. Like, if that, if that person was meant to be yours and you care enough, you don't quit, you don't give up, let them know why it's worth your time. And then, bam, we bang that thing out just like it, it came out, man. And I, I couldn't have been prouder for it. Well, and then obviously the, the next single that, that when, when this episode airs will be, yeah, kind of definitely talking about a love in the life, I, I feel like. So a little bit of themes here, but I feel like it's a little bit of a different song than If You Were My Girl. Yeah, uh, so, well, that's funny. Yeah, is it, it's kind of like one of those catch-22 situations, you know what I'm saying? Like hindsight 2020 type shit. Because the woman that I am with right now that I will be with for the remainder of my life, and I already told her, I said, if you leave me, that's it for me. Like, uh, whatever. Like, I, I, I ain't got, that. she's it. And the coolest part is, is like, yeah, yeah, is a song talking about how a woman came up there 
and had fun and earned her way into a man's life, right? Which is fun and y'all had a great time and you ended up finding somebody that you really genuinely cared about because you had fun. Well, the coolest part about yeah is, is if you pay attention to it, at the end of the day, it, it's really about a dude wanting a girl who ain't going to do nothing but love him. It's about a dude who's sitting there talking about how, yeah, I'm the shit. I, yeah, they call me Cupid shooting arrows into these hearts, right? But at the end of the day, the question is, the literal question in the, in the song, in one of the verses is, are you committed because I finish if I start it? You think you bad enough to take me off the market? I don't know, right? So at the end of the day, you're saying, yeah, we can come out here and have a good time. But really, the one that's going to steal my heart and the one who's already stole my heart is the one who didn't have to do shit for it. And, and congratulations, by the way, because I believe you proposed earlier this year. Is that right? Yeah, we're actually having babies. You're the you're the first you're the first publication that gets to know that uh yeah my fiance Amberly's pregnant y'all you, you're in for a treat I know it's gonna be my <laughs> first kid I, supposedly there's four in there or something I don't know well then you're in for a big treat <laughs> hey babe is there is there four in there oh octo mom all right she's octo mom I, I, I don't know man I just know she's pregnant dog. Just wait for all the cravings. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, that's when I'll just play yeah on repeat in the house so she can just understand she earned this life. That is fair. That is, that that is is very fair. And you know, obviously when you you look back on kind of what maybe set you off there uh in terms of of the career uh tip my hat. What was it like to watch that song take off? Man, that was that was the weirdest part because I played Tip My Hat live before we had ever released it, and people loved it. But it Tip My Hat is such a different sound to ride for me. And then Tip My Hat is such a different sound to, like, can't get away from me or pain pill, right? And so mm -hmm. it was cool to see that the first sound that I came up with worked, which meant that, like, this experiment of, molding genres and trying to get people to understand the stories that we're telling is actually going to work. And we don't have to do the traditional, like modern pop country thing. And that's what I thought was badass about it. Were, were you shocked when social media blew up on it too? No, because the marketing team at my label is the best in the country. I tell people all the time. I'm like, hell, when I first started with the label, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. They were like, hey, post this song. And I posted it, and all of a sudden, it went crazy. And then they did what they were supposed to do with it, and then it just kept blowing up. So, like, I tell people, man, you're only as good as your team. And I got a damn good team, man. Like, I got the best team in the United States of America, and I'll put them up against any other label in the country because I'm telling you. That song should not have blown up the way that it blew up at the time that it blew up, but it did because of the people behind me. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that team, I, I saw, I was, I was looking at some some record label notes and your single Pain Pill, um, when, when it came out, just the wording that they used on like the little post was just, you can tell someone there knew what they were doing. See, that's that's what I'm saying. It happens all the time. Like they'll, they'll tell me, hey, we're going to post, we're going to reword your post and 
say it like this because Austin, your delivery is really dickish. Don't do that. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So they like reword it and it becomes this like thing that I was actually trying to say. But they like rub their little crystal ball and make me not look like a dickhead and then go ahead and say, here it is. And it's like, dude, when you have a team behind you, you got to let them work, bro. And that's my success is solely based upon how badass my fans are and the fact that I allow the team behind me to be able to mold me into who I'm supposed to be. It sounds like you have a way with words like I do. My wife gets really annoyed at me, and I usually mean it out of love. She doesn't always see it that way, though. <laughs> That's exactly how I am. I'm telling you, Amberly, to tell you right now. She told she told me not two hours ago. She said, "Babe, you got to work on your delivery." <laughs> she said, "Comes off as uh, extremely insincere sometimes," and I was like, "Well, babe, I love you. You know that." She was like, "Yeah, I know that, but the way you said that sounds like you know." You want to take your head and dump it in a freezing pile of lard or something. I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> You're like, that's not what I meant at all. I'm like, that's babe, not I do I not want to jump off a building. Like, we're all good. Oh, uh, now, now, you know, in addition to tip my hat or take, yeah, tip my hat, you had a ride for me. What was it like to put out that album and be able to kind of work on that? Dude, ride for me album was really cool. That was my, that was like, my first experience in the music business of having something that was abs like absolutely substantial to hold on to, right? It was something that people really resonated with. And it wasn't just one song. It was seven or eight of them that everybody was like, yo, I really, really like this. And so I, I mean, that whole project was dope, man. Like we we worked on it in Florida. We worked on it in Nashville, the Mako guys helped me out on some of it. And then we came back to Nashville and just hammered it all out, bro. And like that project I'm very proud of. That That is one that I think actually made it to where people in the industry finally realized, yo, dude's for real. Well, it's hard to put a full album out these days and to actually have everyone like every song on it or the majority is a testament to talent. Well, I appreciate that, man. It's, you know, I'm not going, I'm not a, moron and i'm not gonna sit back here and say everybody messed with every song on the album but you know we had we had seven or eight out of 12 that people really 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 you know played a lot and still to this day play a lot and then some of the extra ones that i thought people would you know gravitate more towards because there were more mainstream country songs then the other ones are now starting to gain a little bit more traction than what they did when they first came out. And so it's like kind of a situation to where that album gave me the ability to kind of latch on to my fan base, but also be able to like branch out into other fan bases and say, Hey, we may not always do the songs that you're normal, you know, you normally play, but I'm still going to give you a taste of that all the time while giving you a little spice at the end of the day, you know? I gotta throw some of that. I gotta throw some of that seasoning on there, baby. I got to. I was gonna say you're 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 from Louisiana. They they it, nothing's uh, mild down there. No, we gotta throw that spice on there now. Now, obviously, you've got yeah that just came out. If if you were my girl, more new music on the way. That's not you can tell me that's not gonna get you in trouble with anyone. Yeah, we actually are gonna do. Uh, I think we got two more singles coming this year, and then we got an album to close the year out. 
I think I think we're gonna drop my second album this year around August or September, maybe. But yeah, we definitely got you know another single after yeah, and then we're gonna come out with maybe another single, but definitely an album to close the year out this year. So a lot to look forward to then. Oh yeah, man! I'm trying to flood the market, dog. I'm trying to take over. I'm trying to make people understand that I'm here to play and I'm here to win, you bastards. And entertain. Well, I'm gonna entertain one way or another, whether you like me or not. You're you're gonna remember my name. That is fair. That is that is fair. Now, obviously, like you said, you got some music coming out. Maybe some life changes happening here later in the year. What else can folks expect from you the rest of 2023? Well, always expect me to love all y'all and to always remain pretty. Okay, just remember when you look at Justin Timberlake. And you look at me, you understand I'm his white trash brother, and I'm always going to be that way. So that's what you got to look forward to for the remainder of my life is I'm going to keep giving y'all as many hits as I can give you. I'm going to keep bringing the party, and I'm always going to try to look keep doing it. And, and uh, I'm guessing it's been a success so far. It's worked so far. And so far, you know, being this cute and my mom's good genetics has actually worked out for me. It's probably gotten me further than what I should, you know, but my dad's a big, fat, redheaded guy now, so I can't thank him, but I'm just going to let the world know I thank my mama. It's her birthday today, too, so, hey, happy birthday, mama. I know this is going to come out later on, but it's your birthday, so happy birthday, baby. Well, you know what? That is extra fitting because when this episode does drop, it'll be my birthday. Dude, let's go. Happy birthday, my dude. So it was meant to be. It was meant to be. Happy birthday to to Mama Tolliver. That's what I'm talking but, about. But you know, you know, it, it was meant to be. Now I have one more question because this just popped into my head. Obviously, there's probably a song that every every artist loves to perform of theirs more more than others. They don't like to admit that they got a favorite. But what's like your favorite song to perform uh, when when you're able to get on stage in front of everybody? Oh man, what's that Brett Young song? Oh my God, I love that Brett Young song. I play it every single time, but I forget the title every single time. But you don't forget the lyrics, right? In case you didn't know, Brett Young, I love playing that song live. That is that is a song that I love dropping whenever I play live because it is a total change up. It's like, you know, you got you're throwing 100 mile an hour fastballs at people all day long, and then all of a sudden you come with like a 65 mile an hour changeup on them, and you play "In Case You Didn't Know" by Brett Young, and you get the crowd to lock back in, and then all of a sudden people start singing with you because they know that, but you've changed the dynamic of everything that you know their brain has always been up here, and now they're like, "Whoa!" And I love playing that man. It's one of my favorites. I love "In Case You Didn't Know" by Brett Young. I love that. See a little bit of extra knowledge here at the end. And Austin, dude, this, you, you weren't lying. This was a blast. I appreciate you sharing a drink brother and some stories with me. Appreciate you. And thank you very much for having me. Uh, I want to, I just wanted to let you know that I greatly appreciate you allowing me to get on your platform and allowing your fans to see my face. And you know, it's a, it doesn't go unnoticed to me whenever people take the risk to allow somebody to come on and be able to be in front of their platform that they've worked so hard for. So I thank you for that. And I will promise you that anything that I can do to make sure that my platform becomes your platform, I'll do everything I can, my brother. 
Well, and it helps you got a pretty face. Hey, Timberlake, don't forget, y'all. Don't forget. <laughs> Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.